0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, I need everybody to crowd to get up and stand up for your Memphis what it do, baby? And welcome to the Grit and Gridiron podcast, our first episode in quite some time. But that's neither here nor there. I'm your host, Mason, a.k.a. Barn Burner Slim, is where you can find me on Twitter. I'm coming to you courtesy of the Barn Burner Podcast Network and the hyphen barnburner.com. Shout out to the Barn. Uh, We also have the Backdoor Cut Podcast on the network, as well as Theater and College Hoops and In the Can. So be sure to follow us on iTunes and like and leave us a review if you enjoy what you hear. Today on Grit and Gridiron, I'm going to do a quick review of the Memphis Tigers football season so far in this 2019 campaign. Now, this is a team that, if you remember, was favored to win every game on their schedule for the entire season by the Wise Guys in Vegas. And uh, so far, so good on that front as Mike Norvell's Tigers currently sit at 3-0, which is definitely better than the alternative of not being 3-0. Uh, I'm recording this on Friday night as Mike Norvell has just tweeted that he is set to take to the Memphis skies as he's going to go around in the helicopter to show love to local recruits this week. Uh, Something that he's done the last couple of years, which has seemed to be effective in making an impact on local recruits and them considering the University of Memphis or coming to the University of Memphis. I mean, it's just a cool way to hit a bunch of games in the Memphis area and show up with some swag and a Tiger helicopter. So that's cool. Hopefully it is fruitful Um, and we are able to continue to bring in some of the high-level recruits that we've been getting. Back to the 2019 campaign, of course, the narratives coming into this season from Tiger fans were, did Brady White actually get stronger and will he be able to throw the deep ball or even just be able to connect on intermediate passes to keep defenses honest? And then, how much will we even need to keep defenses honest due to the loss of Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard? You know, like who could possibly join Patrick Taylor, our senior returning running back, to assure the Memphis back to backfield continues to produce at a high level? Um, and then, another big question mark was. We got this new defensive coordinator from Marshall who came over with some good statistics. Of course, I'm talking about Adam Fuller. And the just the thought among Tiger fans was, can he finally be the one to provide an adequate defense so the offense doesn't have to score 40 or 50 points a game to ensure a win against you know even just decent opponents? So we'll hit on all of that throughout this recap episode. Um, just starting back with Game 1... The Tigers opened the season at home versus SEC Ole Miss. And, of course, we won that game 15-10 to 10 in what really wasn't a very exciting game, but you'll always take a win over Ole Miss when you can get it. Pro- definitely still the best team the Tigers have played so far with the SEC talent that they have on that roster and quite possibly the best defensive front that the Tigers may see all year. If you remember back, Memphis jumped out to an early 13-0 to lead um, at, towards the end of the first half and kind of looked like they were in control of that game against Ole Miss. But Ole Miss came out and basically handled the Tigers in the second half, made it interesting, got it within three points, 10-13. to 13, um, And the Tigers' offense really couldn't do anything. Uh, and so Adam Williams pinned Ole Miss inside their five-yard line late in the game, and that is when Bryce Huff came up with the big safety to seal the game, making it 15-10, to and then the offense got the ball and ran out the clock. Um, That was when Patrick Taylor had gotten hurt after he ran for 128 yards on the ground. Um, And we turn to freshman Kenny Gainwell, who has been quite the, I don't know if surprise is the right word to use this year, but he has made a huge impact this year and looks like he is set to have a solid career at the University of Memphis. So he closed out that game against Ole Miss, and then with the injury to Patrick Taylor, he's kind of taken over the reins as the lead back. And we'll get into that in just a bit. Um, then the second game the Tigers played this year was against Southern, uh, in which we won 55 to 24 Southern of course is, excuse me, of the SWAC conference, uh, FCS program formerly known as division two and Southern came out and I mean, they ran the ball right down the Tigers throat and it was kind of like, Oh shit. What is happening here? Um, We can't get a stop. And that was probably the worst defense the Tigers have played all year, that first half against Southern. Um, But in the second half, they came out and completely changed the tune. They held the Jags to less than 100 yards in the second half. uh, In that game, Brady White threw for 337 yards, connected for two touchdowns, one of which was to Gainwell who also had two touchdowns on the ground. So that was really a breakout game for Gainwell. And, um, you know, like I said, he has just been super impressive this year. Um, So that put the Tigers at 2-0. And then last week, Memphis traveled to Mobile, Alabama, to take on South Alabama of Conference USA. And Memphis handled them rather easily. You know, there was some thought going in that, South Alabama may be able to run the ball on the Tigers and that they had a pretty stout defense, which could prove to be true, but the Tigers won 42-6 to in that game. Uh, and this time, Kenneth Gainwell went over 100 yards, but he also had fellow redshirt freshman, Kylan Watkins, who transferred in after a year at UT Martin, in which he didn't play, um, set out last year, and then transferred back to Memphis this year. Of course, he's from Whitehaven. Those guys were breaking off big chunks without even getting touched. Um, so shout out to the newly formed offensive line who had their fair share of struggles against Ole Miss penalty-wise and things like that. But they seem to be coming together now. So uh, sitting at 3-0, and it kind of seems like some Tiger fans have mixed feelings about this team and how good they can be. I will admit that I wasn't one of those who felt strongly about the Tigers going undefeated this season. Uh, you know, when the odds came out from Vegas and all that, I, I was I was really surprised to see that. Just because, for one, we lost Hendo and Tony Pollard to the NFL draft, um, two huge contributors to last year's team, um, and then for two, we had Adam Fuller coming in. You never know how a new defensive coordinator or coaching staff member in general is going to work out. And then, you know, back to the Brady White thing. We didn't know if he's going to be able to step up and make plays down the stretch when we need him to. And we still don't. Um, But I'll start with the Brady White point of those three. And he currently has the second-best QB rating in the American behind Dylan Gabriel of UCF who, by the way, it doesn't look like UCF has skipped a freaking beat. I mean, they look pretty damn good once again. But uh, Brady has thrown 72 times, and he's completed 52 of them for 718 yards. He does have five touchdowns on the year, but also two interceptions. And last week, he was the beneficiary of some stone hands by a South Alabama defender who had the ball literally bounced right off of his hands to tight end Joey Magnifico, who took it for a big gain. So a big break for Brady there. Um, And then Brady hasn't, uh, his receivers haven't helped him out as much as they could. I think they've had some big drops. I think DeMonte Coxie will have to be better. He's just going to have to, you know, win more matchups. And just be that target that Brady White can trust, uh, especially on third down. But we'll get into the receivers a bit later. Uh, Brady, he he's also missed on some open receivers. You know, he's had some balls sail high, and he's also thrown behind his man a few times. Just like the timing is a second slow on some of these slant patterns and the crossing routes, which is a bit concerning, being that it is his second year. But you know, we can only hope that. He continues to improve, and overall, Brady has done his job, like I keep saying, the Tigers are three and0, uh, you know <laughs> we remember the days when being three and O was unheard of for the Memphis Tigers, so you kind of got to take it for what it is. Of course, we want him to be better. Um, I'll be rooting for him and his receivers to continue to improve, uh, continue to develop that chemistry and make those plays. When needed, and hopefully be able to do enough to take this team back to the AAC championship, representing the West Division. Um, and the the AAC West has proven to be tougher than I think many people expected coming into the year. Um, but again, I'll hit on that towards the end of the podcast. Some quick hitters on some of the other teams. Um, so, that, so that's a little bit about Brady. You know, he's he's had the opportunity to make some throws. Maybe missed on some that we wished he would have hit, but all in all, he's done his job. Um, Then we go to the backfield, you know, the replacements for Pollard and Hendo. And then it was supposed to belong to Patrick Taylor, who, as I mentioned, got hurt in game one against Ole Miss in the fourth quarter. And he was his usual self. He had like 128 yards, but... The, his return is kind of unclear. You've seen some reports that say four to six weeks, weeks, which I believe I saw uh, Taylor had responded with that timeline to a Tiger fan who Instagram DM'd him. Uh, so maybe he returns October 12th uh, at Temple. Uh, that's probably best case scenario. You just want him to be healthy. Um, not risk any further injury and be ready to finish out the season and, you know, not only as a Tiger, but think about his future career in the NFL. Um, but to really no one's surprise, Mike Norvell and his staff seem to have restocked the stable at the running back position. Gainwell, who came into the season expecting to be a Pollard like player, and he has lined up at both running back and wide receiver, but with the injury to Pat, it's called for him to take on a heavier workload in terms of carries. After three games, he has 307 rushing yards, which is good for second in the conference behind De'Eric King of Houston, uh, the quarterback down there who I believe he's got an extra game on Kenny since he has he just played on Thursday night. Uh, and then Gainwell is also averaging 6.4 yards per carry, and he's got three TDs on the ground to go along with the receiving touchdown. So phenomenal play from the young guy. Like I said, he looks like he is going to have a magnificent Tiger career, and if he keeps on the trajectory that he's currently on, he's going to go down as one of the best backs in Tiger history. Um, Not to be left behind, uh, Colin Watkins. Like I said, he went over 100 yards for the first time in his career last week, and he's got 148 yards on the year. He's averaging seven yards per carry, and he's got two touchdowns. He also had a diving catch out of the backfield last week from Brady Brady White on a what was a beautiful lob pass from Brady. He just put it out there in the end zone where only Watkins could go di- get it and he laid out and he made the play. Um other guys in the backfield, you got true freshman Rodriguez Clark. He's gathered 14 carries for 48 yards and uh he also has had an impact on special teams with some block kicks and some tackles. He's a Starkville guy and it's going to be interesting to see if he is redshirted a la Gainwell last year after he hits the four games mark or if Mike Norvell you know wants to keep him around until Patrick Taylor comes back as that third back and also maybe his impact on special teams is enough to keep him on the field this year so we'll see how that goes Um, but if they do decide to redshirt him then the Tigers would look to Tim Taylor to be the third back while Patrick Taylor remains out and then Travion Samuel is another potential guy who hasn't had very many carries or really been as involved as some were expecting him to be. Um he is the transfer, the senior transfer from Troy, who also played at Louisville, kind of another scat back type player. Um so we'll see if his role increases as the season goes goes on and we get into conference play. Then on the, the third thing I wanted to hit on was the defense. Um and other than that first half against Southern. They've been pretty damn remarkable. I mean, Adam Fuller's unit is currently ranked 45th in the nation in rush defense, allowing 116 yards per game on just 3.14 yards per carry. Uh, A little pie shout out there for the math nerds. Uh, And they rank third in passing yards allowed at just 110 yards per game and currently rank fifth in total defense, allowing just 226 total yards per game so I mean those are some pretty gaudy numbers for Memphis uh, defense even though the opponents haven't been that great there is an SEC opponent included in there South Alabama is expected to be you know a solid team in CUSA and then Southern is a FCS team so we won't really uh, talk about them but just to dive into those stats a little bit further with the 45th ranked rush defense you played Ole Miss um, who is a SEC opponent, but, you know, their run game hasn't really looked super strong. Um, but they have gone on to score 31 points against Arkansas and 40 points against the mighty Southeast Louisiana. Uh, so, I mean, their offense isn't horrible, and we held them to 10 points. Um, and then Southern and South Alabama are both run-heavy offenses using some type of version of the option for the most part. Um and so 45th total rush defense ain't that bad when you consider that you played two teams who really want to run the ball and the an SEC opponent. But then, again, that also kind of ex- explains why we're currently third in passing yards allowed. Uh, Ole Miss is ranked 97th in the country in passing offense, and South Alabama is ranked 112th. So uh, definitely you know, have played some pretty poor passing units um and you know they're just to that point they're 43rd and 56th in rushing offense uh with South Alabama being 43rd leading lead, leading old miss in that so poor old miss they're they're having a tough year uh, when it comes to statistics like i mentioned they are two and one though um but fuller's defense has been led by a gang of returning players including linebacker jj russell who currently leads the team with 16 tackles and a sack Interestingly enough, no Tiger has more than one sack so far on the season. Uh, Coming up next on the team in tackles is safety Sanchez Blake. He's got 14 tackles. And then senior linebacker Austin Hall, he has 12 tackles and three pass deflections to go along with two fumble recoveries, one of which he returned for a touchdown. And You can actually see that highlight on my Twitter account, which again is at Slim. I've got quite a few highlights on there from the past two weeks, including a huge hit that Hall laid on a Southern RB running back on a screen play, that he he absolutely blew that play the hell up. And Hall's definitely got the most statistics on the defense, like just across the board, he's accumulated the most stats. TJ Carter has ten tackles, but no interceptions, not even a pass breakup. Um, but you know he hasn't really had many opportunities. And I have, you know, just got to reiterate that we have yet to play a team that is decent at passing the ball. And we won't play one next week after the bye week this week when we play Navy. But eventually in conference play, our secondary and our pass rush is going to be tested. Uh, speaking of that pass rush, JoJo Dorsey has got 10 tackles, uh, while fellow defensive end Bryce Huff leads the team with four quarterback hits. Uh, the Tigers have forced just four turnovers so far, which used to kind of be their mantra, their calling card. You know, it was like, we may not stop you every time, but we're going to get enough takeaways to keep us in this game. So we'll see how that plays out as the competition increases throughout the year. Um, But so far, we haven't really been huge on forcing turnovers, but we have been getting stops. So I'll, I'll take that trade off any day. Um the defense has been solid so far so good. Huge test against Navy next week uh on Thursday against er uh yeah, on Thursday on ESPN. I'm sorry. Uh I don't think I hit on the receivers when I talked about Brady White, but of course this group is led by Demonte Coxie. He's got 15 catches on the year for 237 yards, which is good for fourth in the AAC, but he doesn't have a touchdown on the season which is kind of concerning and hopefully for the team's sake that that changes soon I think I think Coxy has all the tools to be a really good receiver but he's going to have to just make more plays for the team is what it comes down to like I mentioned he, he's got to be the guy that Brady can lean on on third down to you know be that top target and go up and make a play over a defender or catch a third down pass in traffic over the middle and it's not that Coxy hasn't Prove that he can do that. He just got to be more consistent. Um, and sometimes it just seems like he's kind of out there, whereas other times when he's, like, making plays and he's fired up, talking shit, and he, he really seems like a big-time receiver. It's, it's just consistency, and that's what separates, you know, good college players from, from great college players. Um, opposite of DeMonte was Pop Williams, and he's been a starter for the past couple of years, but at South Alabama. He suffered a knee injury on a punt return. As soon as I saw it, I, I said, oh, that, that does not look good for Pop. And it has since been announced that he will miss the rest of the season. He does have opportunity to redshirt this year and be back as a fifth-year senior next year. Um, Pop only had five catches on the season, but his speed... Just made him a threat opposite of Coxy, And then he he's huge in the return game. He's quick, um, sure-handed as a punt returner, so he will be missed. But it's an opportunity for someone else to step up and, and make some plays in this offense. Kadarian Jones has kind of been that number two receiver this year. He's got six catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. While Antonio Gibson, who is a senior... He transferred in from junior college last year and didn't really get too many opportunities last season, but this year he's got two touchdowns on only three receptions. Uh, he's taking those for 81 yards, and he's my, my guy, my choice to see a bigger target share in the absence of Pop Williams. And what what I really like about Gibson is when I tweet out these highlights and stuff, uh, he's gotten a huge response. Like he's got a lot of people that follow him and are rooting for him back in his hometown. He's made along the way in JUCO, um, and it's just really cool to see that many people rooting for one of our players. That's the type of guy I want to cheer for. I want on my team, and I could say the same thing about Austin Hall, uh Colin Watkins, Rodriguez, Clark. I mean, these guys get a lot of love from their friends and family on Twitter, which is you know, like I said, it's just good to see because they they deserve to know that people are proud of them, um, and that's why I do the highlights so that you know the plays that these guys are making, they, they can kind of show off to their friends and family. Like, hey, I, I'm making something of myself. I'm doing something. Um, you know. But back to the rundown, um, that's, that's all the receivers I'll hit on. Tight ends, Joey Magnifico, he's got four catches for 132 yards. He, he and Sean Dykes appear to once again be afterthoughts in the off, offense this season. and Maybe it's just some vanilla play calling and they haven't necessarily... Been needed yet, you know, in against these lesser teams. But I, I really felt that these two guys were underutilized last year, and I figured they'd be in line for a bigger, bigger workload this season. But that's yet to be the case. They're just, you know, big targets with good hands, and they made plays for the team in big situations dating back the past two, three seasons. So I just don't, I don't understand why they, they have become the odd man out when it comes to. You know, Brady White, maybe he just doesn't have that connection with them. But I, I feel like those two guys can be difference makers, especially in conference play, especially on third down. Um, if Coxie isn't able to make that leap, then I, I trust Dykes and Magnifico to make plays because they've done it before. Oh, anyways, um, just a few more things before I get out of here and uh, watch the Braves clinch the NL East title. Pete Limbo's special teams unit, they've been very good. Adam Williams is is a freaking punting machine, and he's been huge for the Tigers. Without his punt in the fourth quarter against Ole Miss that set up the safety, we could be looking at this season in an entirely different light already. And it's not just that punt. It's been time and time again. Like, he has pinned people deep. He does that little rugby-style rollout, and he he can kick that thing, man. So always great to have a good punter. Um, then, then we go to the kicker position. we got Riley Patterson, who has had his share of struggles, but um, this year he's 4-4 in field goals, including a 49-yarder, and he's 12-13 on extra points. He hasn't missed since the first half of that old Miss game. And then on the opposite side of special teams, we've blocked two punts this year. So shout-out to Coach Limbo. Special teams once again look like a strength for the Tigers. So, as I mentioned, the Tigers are off this week. And then next week, they play host to the Naval Academy on Thursday evening on ESPN. And I know some of our fans hate the Thursday evening games. Um, It's tough to get off work, tough to tailgate. But it is an opportunity to be on ESPN. And like I said, this game against Navy, it's going to be an unknown. Navy also has a bye this week. And they've only played two games on the season. That was against Holy Cross and ECU, which Navy won by about 40 each game. I think Navy's averaging 43.5 points a game. They lead the nation, averaging 371 rushing yards on the gr- uh, per game. And then they have Malcolm Perry back at quarterback, and he's a threat to break one for a big play at any time. Um, the good thing is most of the Tigers' defenders – have played Navy once or twice, so they kind of know what to expect. Um, we, you know, Navy struggled last year after beating the Tiger, Tigers. They went on to only win like three games, two or three games. So they all we've only won one game against them since we joined the AAC and began began this. Uh, you know, it almost turned into a rivalry there for a minute, but we got to win a few more against the Midshipmen. Uh, my man Isaac Simpson from Tiger Sports Report, he's got an interview up with Navy head coach Ken Niamatolulu. So check that out uh, to learn more about Navy and kind of how they're attacking this season. One thing I will say about Navy is that they're fifth in the nation on third down defense, allowing just five conversions on 25 attempts. But again, they haven't really been tested, so it's going to be an unknown for both teams. You can kind of see that uh, Memphis has lucked up by playing two teams that run similar style offenses. Of course, nothing is like the Navy triple option, but hopefully playing Southern and South Alabama will be helpful to this unit. Uh, This week's Thursday game featured Tulane and Houston, both of whom the Tigers will face later in the season, and Tulane had the Incredible comeback win over Houston after trailing twenty-eight to seven. Then had the fake kneel, uh, t- like in the fourth quarter. Houston had taken, had a chance to take the lead, but had to settle for a field goal. Then H- Tulane took the kickoff um, and did a fake kneel. They acted like they were going to go into OT. Ran for about twenty yards, then connected on a deep pass from Justin McMillan. Uh, and the receiver took it in for the winning score. It was a crazy game. Tulane of course whooped Memphis in New Orleans last year. Uh, Just absolutely took us behind the woodshed. So that's going to be a showdown in the Liberty Bowl this year. Uh, Memphis plays Houston the last game of the regular season which I think has developed into a rivalry. You know, The players definitely seem to not like Houston and for the most part I don't either. So I'm going to go ahead and call that a rivalry. Uh, Houston's had a brutal opening schedule i don't think they are one and three bad and i think by the time if they remain healthy especially if the king remains healthy towards the end of the year they'll probably be playing some pretty good football so that could be another epic game you know us and navy have had some classics um after the tigers play navy this thursday we'll travel to louisiana monroe who has the one point loss to florida state and they play at iowa state this weekend so I'm planning to get eyes on that game and see what you, Louisiana Monroe is looking like. Um, so they, they will have played some de- decent competition despite Florida State apparently sucking this year. Then after Louisiana Monroe, we travel to play Temple, who has that stout defense. I believe they're top 10 in the country, and they got a top 25 win under their belt after they knocked off Maryland, who was number 21 last week and supposedly an offensive juggernaut. Uh, so, buckle up, folks. It's not going to be an easy ride back to the AAC championship game at all. Uh, you know, some people may have thought that to start the season, but the AAC is going to be tough. The AAC West looks a lot stronger than we anticipated. Uh, of course, on the other side, we got Cincy later on uh, in the schedule, later in the season. So, some very formidable opponents, which is a good thing for the conference. As I mentioned, UCF. Hasn't skipped a beat. They're ranked in the teens somewhere, and they're they're beating the crap out of folks. They just beat Stanford, uh, and Memphis is just out of the top twenty-five in most polls. And then the teams that I've just mentioned are all going to be tough opponents and have some nice wins under their belt. Um, the Tigers are just going to have to continue to take care of business. So far, they're they're three and zero, and you know, you just got to look at Navy and try to go four and zero next Thursday on ESPN. Uh, been a fun season so far and I I think we're just getting started I think this is this has potential to be a really fun season but there's also potential for the Tigers to slip up and get beat in almost any game moving forward so uh, continue to support the program continue to support the team continue to support Brady White uh, because he he's our best option right now so we got to hope that he can step up and make the plays when we need him to. That's all I got for now. Thanks for listening to the resurrection of the Grit and Gridiron podcast, and I'll do my best to not make you wait as long for the next episode. Follow me on Twitter at BarnBurnerSlim. Subscribe to us on iTunes at the BarnBurner Podcast Network. Uh, Leave some reviews. Give us a rating. Check out the website at the-barnburner.com. We appreciate you listening and supporting the BarnBurner. Go Tigers. I'm out. Shoo!